Hi and welcome to The Expansive. My name is Eric. I am one half of The Expansive podcast and I am a speaker and executive coach and as always joined by my ever elegant co-host, keynote speaker and future strategist, Mr. John Sonne. Hello, hello, hello and uh, welcome to The Expansive podcast. Great to be here with you, Eric. Yeah, so if you are new to the podcast, every week we release a new episode on what it means for individuals and organizations to approach the future with an expansive mind. And we would love for you to join us as we challenge the status quo, as we banter about life and expand our perception of what is possible. In this episode today, we are speaking about adaptability. It's a very important topic to be covering as the world is constantly shifting, constantly moving. If you are reading the headlines every morning, you'll see that there are tons of things happening that as an organization, as an individual, you need to be adapting to. And it can be quite overwhelming, to be honest. Recently, we saw that, uh, just as an example, that Facebook is now really doubling down on this idea of the metaverse. So the metaverse, if you haven't heard it before, is this entire digital shared world that we will be operating from, where you'll be socializing, you'll be working in it. And you have the biggest social media platform in the world with 3.2 billion users saying that in the next five years, there won't be a social media site. They will be the metaverse. John, what do you make of this? I am both incredibly excited to reinvent who I am in this metaverse, because I imagine you can develop a whole persona and I, and I kind of like, uh, I remember people in Second World uh, developed female personas, like really gorgeous, beautiful, tall, blonde personas. And in that world, which was sort of an early metaverse take, um, and they were they were actually women in that world, you know, and uh, and could play out that persona. So I'm incredibly mm. excited to play out a new persona. I don't even know if that's what I would do, but it would be interesting to to take on a whole new perspective, I guess. And then I'm also really scared because I remember watching a cartoon many years ago. I can't remember what it was called, but everybody had become fat blobs drinking Gatorade, mm. sitting on these couches, and they were living in this virtual reality world, right? These machines it was a little cartoon around. with the, the yeah, little robot. Um, That's it. Uh, Wally. Was it Wally, Wally, Wally. Yeah, here we go. Wally, 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 yeah. And so it, it, it kind of, you know, I had the Oculus play. I was playing with the Oculus uh, just a few weeks ago. I remember telling you about it. And... I was so transported into another world. My sense and feelings were very invoked. You know what I mean? I was mm. very like realistically there. And it's funny because your brain knows you're standing in your study, but your virtual reality tells you on the edge of a cliff and your body believes that you're in the edge of a cliff. So mm. I'm both incredibly excited of the possibilities and I'm incredibly fearful of the possibilities. You know, mm. it's, it, there's both these massive possibilities and come from a metaverse. Um, but yeah, I guess it's an involvement of where we are on social media, right? And, and I think this is the tough thing is that when we do see this, our brains struggle to adapt, transform and try and even make sense of this opportunity mm. and challenge that's lying ahead of us. You know, have you seen those TikTok videos where people are like with their headsets on and then they like walking on a tight rope or they're walking on, a, on the yeah. plank and then something happens and they just like they tumble over and they can't keep their balance? Yeah. Like, I think that's yeah. our... And they're standing like, in their lounge. Exactly. Yeah. If you've never it's done crazy. VR, like but like proper sure. level VR, you are in for a surprise. Uh, because yeah. initially it seems like, how would this ever work? Like, how would we really feel engaged in this VR simulated world? 
But mm-hmm. trust me, like once you get in there and we are early stages, like the graphics and all of that isn't even that good yet. But even with yeah. that, it still tricks your mind yeah. into believing yeah. this is real. Yeah. So can you imagine? It's scary, bro. Dude, five, look, ten I mean, years down they, the line from now, what's that going to look like? Look, I would imagine you would never even need to leave your house and you'll be living a whole other world, you know? And just to keep your body alive while you're living in this other world, your body becomes mm. irrelevant. It's a, I mean, it's a strange thing. And that's why Elon Musk said, who says that we're not already in a stimulated world, simulated world? Because once you experience that, you realize that there's layers and parallel realities and multiverses that are happening. So whether we're doing it digitally or if you've ever done ayahuasca or magic mushrooms, or any of these things, you also get access to these parallel realities that are going on out there without sounding esoteric at all. But this is what starts to happen. You know, you, mm. you inside the VR, you're seeing another reality. You step out, you're in another reality. You take psychedelics, you're in another reality. And so what it's showing us that we're living like inception. You remember the movie? Dream yeah, within sure. a dream, within a dream, within a dream, within a dream. There's just like, it's a limitless number of these parallel realities going on. So the digital world is catching up to this sort of ideology that our brains are so struggling to be adaptable to. Sci-fi is becoming a reality. That is, yeah. I mean, look at the cell phone. Yeah, exactly. So we have I mean, to talk about adaptability. Yeah, 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 carry on. Yeah, I just want to say, like, I've, I've always been a big gamer, like, since the earliest days that I can oh, remember. Like, I, Yeah, I've, oh. I've, we had the, I remember we had the XT. That was, like, the first computer that we had. And it was, like, that typical, like, you had to boot it up. It was a DOS RAN system. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. had to put your floppy disks in. And we would play, like, Grand Prix on it all the time. And I remember how much I loved playing Grand Prix. And it was just these yeah. big white block pixels that that's all it really was yeah and eventually there was like there was a turning point for gaming when quake and half-life those games Mm. started coming out because they started running on like Mm. proper Mm. engines and i just Mm. recently saw the latest iteration of that engine that that initially powered half-life and it looks Mm. like real life it just you Mm. can't when you look at it you can't differentiate so yeah once that becomes powered into vr you can like you'll have no idea into that social you are media. Even, into social no, jeez, yeah. So <laughs> you sci-fi see, becomes it's reality. both scary and exciting, right? Yeah, it's both scary and rea- and and and, and uh, exciting at the same time. But we're here to talk about adaptability, and and I think it's important because there's layering to adaptability, right? When we think about that sort of thing, the metaverse, your brain almost hurts, mm. but then you come back to reality where we are right now, and it's making your business more digitally friendly or it's evolving your product and service it's hiring new capabilities it's unlearning to relearn there's so many layers to adaptability and i think there's certain principles that are important to take note of because we've definitely moved from a world that prioritizes iq to a world that prioritizes aq and we know that iq is an incredible thing but iq is being automated you know you 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 can develop machines that are very very high in iq and a very slithered reality of making toast or playing chess or Mm. whatever they do you know um so we're in a world of aq and this aq scenario has got some principles to it and i know you recently did a talk um about it and so yeah share with us some of these ideas around aq i've also got some so let's see where we go with it yeah so um I've been, I think we've always been fascinated with the idea of adaptation. And I recently decided to write a keynote specifically around it. And I mean, if you zoom out, like, you know, what is coaching at the end of the day? It's like, 
it's always helping people to adapt their behavior to mm. something new, you know. Mm. And like you say, there's so many principles to adaptation. Um, I kind of identified a few that I thought might be interesting for us to talk about. But maybe the starting point always is that when we get into a conversation about adaptability, I feel like it's always quite vague in the sense that yeah. people are encouraged to be adaptable and people are encouraged to embrace change. But I'm not quite sure if people are always specific enough about the change that they want to see. And, you know, this metaverse is a very good example because that's just one of the things that are coming our way. Like that isn't even talking about AI and blockchain mm. and, you know, mm. uh, remote Bitcoin, work. NFT. And, you know, like right. yeah, yeah, yeah. there right. are so many changes that are happening. So to say be adaptable, cool. Like when you say that to me, all it does is it overwhelms my system. What you need to do yeah. is to identify which change do I need to be adaptable to? And sure, like mm. there's a there's a adaptability personality or stance that I have that I'm adaptable towards anything that's happening. But I think ultimately mm. the best way that we get people moving forward is that we identify the change and we help them to figure out what is that small step going to be towards that change. Because otherwise, like you were saying, it's like, it's just too scary. It's just too overwhelming. And I become frozen in fear because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to make with, of, of all of this change that is happening around me. So I think that's one of the first things that we need to be very clear on is if you are looking at your organization at this moment, and if you are, or if you're looking at the people in your organization, what is the change that you are trying to adapt to? You can't adapt to all of it at the same time. You need to mm. kind of move in a certain direction here. So you're saying there's different, there's sort of like, and you know what's so funny? Some people are naturally more inclined to long-term change and some people medium-term change and something, it's just a personality thing because mm. if I think of some really top-class sort of CEOs that are visionary, they're five years ahead, right? Mm. And then you get a COO who's unbelievable and so necessary, that's one year ahead. So his adaptability or her adaptability quotient is lower than the other person. So I think per, it's, it's one thing identifying it, then it's identifying the personality traits that fits into that flow. Because I'm a very comfortable two-year, three-year. I'm not very comfortable five to ten but I'm also very uncomfortable with now. You know, it irritates mm. me. I don't want to be in the now. So my personality almost sits in the middle to top. So one, identify what change it is. And then two, identify the capabilities and abilities that fit into those teams that deal with those specific teams. Mm. I'm, I'm just adding that five yeah, cents I in think, there. I don't I think that's, a, that's your process. Yeah. No, but I think that's a great add-on. Um, if I think of myself, I think I'm also maybe somewhere around the one to two year mark. And, you know, perhaps that's something that we need to consider as we're hiring people then, is how do we test for adaptability? <laughs> Eric, I think you're a six-monther, bro. Well, you had a chat yesterday about your lack of adaptability. Don't come here and tell me. What if are you I'm talking about? Two, you what are you talking about? Are you talking? We're talking about marketing. Weren't we talking about marketing yesterday? And adapting your approach from perfection to sharing. Yeah, yeah but that's one so, area. That's to, one area of life. Maybe in that area, I'm a six-monther. In that area, we're talking about yeah, like, yeah. yo, I tell you what, I tell you what, with relationships, you're a 10 year I'm a six-monther. There we go. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, you're married. I'm not. So, <laughs> Well, look, I've also gone so, from, from being shows. a physiotherapist to being an executive coach and speaker. Like, there, there needs to be some adaptability um, in, in no, that, No, but right? I don't know you like that, Eric. I only know you right now, bro. That's also very good. Well done. Well done. That's also <laughs> awesome. But that's your past. Um, I'm talking about moving forward. 
Um, yeah, but you're right. You're right. I don't, I don't want to take yeah, away. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to take any kudos away from you. Yeah. But uh, yes, I I think that's what makes this mix really good is that I am ten steps too far ahead, and you are conservative in your approach, and that's fine. You know that both are necessary to balance this out. So, but let's get to step two on your adaptability keynote research. Well, I don't know if it's these are the necessary steps. These are just things that I thought are oh. are worth oh, mentioning. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just I kind of okay. pulled out a few things that I thought are interesting. Um, the second thing that we can then talk about is that once we've identified change, once we know we where we need to move towards, I think we need to also understand that people are not bad at changing. I think there's this misconception that we say people are bad at changing. I don't think that's true. I think people are good at changing. I think they're just also good at resisting change. So it's like this part, the changing part, I think people are quite good at it. Like we adapt through our entire lives to things that are happening to us. The problem is no, that we when to, we... I guess. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. have to, okay. exactly. So we yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. we are good at it. But the problem is that when we start talking about the metaverse, I, I fully believe that people can adapt to get there. The problem is it's so big, it's so vague, it feels so overwhelming that I kick it, my resistance kicks in. And my resistance ah, is going to be... Very good. Fear. My yeah. resistance is going to be... Um, uncertainty yeah. or ambiguity. Mm. But like, if you can help me get past that resistance, then the change part is you know, actually going to happen pretty well. Yeah, such a good point. I've never thought of it like that. And thank you for sharing that. But one thing that I keep hearing from with businesses or execs or whoever I work with is, we've got so much to do right now. We don't have time to think about that. It's like, mm. I've got so many fires to put out right now. You're asking me now to think about the metaverse when already my existing business is up, it's down, my career's here, my, whatever it is, whoever's listening to this, or whatever, however you fit into this, whether you're an entrepreneur, an executive or running an organization, it, you always have too much to do right now. So there almost isn't the energy to want to mm. think about that. So as much as we do change and we're adverse to changing, I think again, it's what are we prioritizing to focus on? And sometimes we have no choice but to be putting out fires. We don't even have the energy to want to look that far. So that's also something to take into consideration because I think whenever I'm doing something that's stretching myself out of comfortability, I do it in the first hour of the day. Mm. You ask me to do that thing in the, in the there's no way I'm doing it past two o'clock. My brain is just too tired. And I, and I use writing as an example, right? So every morning, the first thing I do when I come to my computer is I focus on my writing. Mm. That's the, 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 so my new book is like, that's what I'm focusing on for the next sort of month, two months or so. And so the first two hours is always that. I can't do anything else. And so don't think about change or resisting change, but actually when you're applying yourself to the change, because you come at three o'clock and ask me to read my book and I hate it, I don't want to do it. And this happened to me a few days ago and I learned that lesson again because I just wasn't in the right state for it. Mm. You know, I think um, it's, it's really worth thinking about that, how you how you prioritize your time or break out your time. But also, I mean, you know, we've mentioned this on the podcast a few times before, that you speak about this idea of, of uh, today and tomorrow teams. So mm. you want to just quickly tell people what that is about? Sure. What does Axel want to say first? Um, I think he's probably just telling me that there. No, that was Axel, yeah. He killed the hardy does this morning that upset Dan a lot. Yeah, but he doesn't know better, man. No, for sure. I, I told you, it's in his nature. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's his thing. It's so, in his nature. Yeah. Sure. They're, yeah. They're, they're not being malicious. Yeah, no, but I can imagine not. that's uh, yeah. so, yeah. Um, today and t look, just talking about that, your wife's clever, man. Yesterday, I want to tell this to people that are listening because it was brilliant. We, 
<laughs> when you sent me the voice note yesterday, I was in stitches. And I want to give a kudos for that because it was brilliant. What a comeback. So just for the listeners, uh, Eric and I were trying to uh, record this podcast yesterday. And every time we started, his wife was talking in the next room, doing sales or doing something. And so for about 20 minutes, we tried to, but we just never got around to it. And other things happened. So we thought, oh, we'll just record it tomorrow. <laughs> so Eric goes and tells his wife that, you know, we tried to record the podcast a few times and uh, we couldn't because she was making so much sound, so much noise, right? And so what was her response, Eric? <laughs> she said, uh, that was the sound of making money. <laughs> That's it. So I thought, oh, what a smart comeback. It put me, I mean, I wasn't trying to diss her at all. I mean, that's fine. She's running a business from your house as well. But the way she came back, she's like, yo, whatever. That's such a sassy response, you know? That's the sound of making money, bitch. Uh, sorry, mom, I know you listen to this podcast. I didn't mean to say that. Um, um, yeah, Today that was such things. a great example. Yeah, so look, I, I always suggest that we think about uh, this transformation and adaptation in a way that allows you to focus. And I think the biggest problem we have with executives and anybody, actually any business owner, is that you have to think about yesterday and tomorrow at the same time. And it's very, very hard. And like I said, some people are just naturally more comfortable thinking about tomorrow and other people are naturally more comfortable thinking about today. And what I want to do is I want to get people to split their teams and build new parallel teams that only focus on the metaverse and preparing for the metaverse while you allow everybody else just to focus in on what they need to focus in on now and have incremental change to their thinking. So mm. thinking about putting all the lights, uh, keeping all the lights on, putting all the fires out, all the operational stuff that all businesses need. And then have somebody else thinking about metaverse and then meeting once or twice a month to share findings, share learnings, and really just keep them connected but focused on separate things. And I think that becomes such an alleviation of pressure and stress that many executives have is that the capabilities just aren't there while they're still so busy trying to run mm. the existing business. You know, and I think the key word there is focus. And it, this is at a team mm. level, at an individual level, make sure like... It's not, it's not one or the other. You need to be thinking about the future. So you need to block out time for that. You need to be thinking about the mm. skills you need to develop. You need to be thinking about the opportunities that exist. But at the same time, you need to be focusing on today as well. So it's, it's really mm. how do you split your focus? And you have to think about it at, mm. at different levels, different tiers. Mm. Mm. The final thing that I, that I then share is actually from a talk that you sent to me yesterday from um, Amin Tufani, I think that's his name. Mm. And it's a mm. talk he did at Singularity University. And he suggested that people should, in some shape or form, have a chief, chief adaptability officer. Um, mm. And the idea, actually, I think, if you extend it into what's already happening in organizations, is that we need to have people who are focused on helping people to adapt to change. And I think at the moment, the form that that takes is coaching. So I don't know if you know mm. this, but when coaching initially started as a, as a discipline in organizations, it was mainly used as, as like a remedial measure. So you were... Yeah. If you were in trouble or you were... Exactly. Yeah. By the you time you issues. were like yeah. being yeah. booted out of the organization, <laughs> you would be yeah. like, here's a coach, you know? And yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. It's like very, very subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should have this coach. Yeah. And then anyway, yeah. so like the, the coach was the last sort of... Uh, last chance of making sure that we can get yes. you rehabilitated and back into the organization. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And... Now, I think these days people have caught on that actually, and he says this in his talk as well, that people are very coachable when it comes to adaptability, which is a great thing. Mm. And what this really means mm. is that 
I think organizations should just be very intentional with investing in adaptability for their people. And investing in adaptability for their people is going to be finding people to coach them, uh, finding people to help them open up their understanding of what the future is going to mm. look like. I think they, mm. you know, that's the kind of role that we also try and play for the people that we work with, for the organizations we speak mm. to, is that when you can present to them what this future is going to look like and you can excite them about it, it becomes a bit less scary and I can mm. perhaps muster the courage to take that first step into the unknown. Mm. That's what we want. We want people to just, yeah. just go try, just go dip your toes in, go see that it's actually yeah. not as bad as you think it might be. Well, it's anything we don't understand well enough, we fear. And so you just have to understand a little bit more. And, and I also suggest making Thursday mornings your future mornings. Spend an mm. hour or two speaking to your colleagues or people or watch a video or put something, get your family to watch something about the future. Just make Thursdays your future day. Mm. And, you know, slowly but surely drones won't scare you. You'll start to realize there's new opportunities utilizing drones, helping sick people in far-flung villages. You'll yeah. realize that AI is helping more people pick up on cancer and more machines pick up on cancer than doctors ever could and helping save more people rather than being so scared of it. And so slowly but surely you start to change your language and your focus points. But before we go, I just want to say that firstly, I really enjoyed your points. I think they're very, very valid. But I think as an individual, what does it mean to be adaptable? And I think for me, that's important to, to, to break down. And it's made up of three things. And again, Amin Tufani taught me this in his talk. I've met Amin Tufani a few times at Singularity. Really smart guy. Uh, did you see how many views his guitar mm, uh, rendition yeah. had? That was like six, <laughs> 66 million or something. Yeah. Ridiculous. And he's really good. But either way, he's an economist um, and also Persian. That's why I had a connection with him when I met him in San Francisco. But what he says is in order to be adaptable, you need three things. You need perception, conception, and action. And what does that mean? Is that how broad is your input into your day, into your life? And that perception that you have about things that are coming at you, are you judging them and boxing them or are you allowing them to come into your space to think about them critically? Once they come into your brain and if you opened yourself up to many different inputs, and for me, that's just podcast. You just cannot get more injection of knowledge into your head than in the short period of time that podcasts are done in conversation. Mm. So I'm, you know, I listen to at least one podcast a day. And um, conception is how quickly can you ingest and make sense of that information and how can you embed it into your perspective to improve your perspective? Now, I make videos. This is what helps me create conception is that I've taken all these new things in, I conceptualize them for myself, and then I bring action to them because action can only be brought into that perception once you have ingested it and understood it, and then it changes your behavior so that it's not just theoretical. So AQ is made up of perception, conception, and action. And here's the thing about action is that you can't have any guarantees by that. You know, you're just trialing mm. things out. And I think this podcast is that for you and I, just trialing things out and trying to get onto Clubhouse and then trying not to, and then trying to get into, you know, we all, we're just trialing things out all the time. Mm. So the action is really experimentation more than anything else. So it's really just about perception, non-judgmental of that information, conceptualizing it, ingesting it, and then acting on it. And that's mm. what makes you adaptable in quite basic terms. Yeah. And with that great summary, we also want to then move on to a new section that we have, uh, which is really all about answering questions from the expansive community. 
So if you don't know, recently we decided that we are opening up a WhatsApp group essentially for everyone who is a, a part of the, the expansive community. Uh, you can join that WhatsApp group, by the way, by texting plus uh, two seven. That's the SA dialing code plus two seven six four six four one one seven zero one. We'll also link that in the show notes. And we would love for you to send us a voice note so that we can answer your question right here on the expansive and at the same time give you a bit of a shout out. So today we already have one question. Hi, Eric and John. I'm curious to find out your thoughts on everything that's been happening in South Africa over the past year. And if you were a 24 year old in South Africa at the moment building a career, would your thoughts be around potentially heading overseas or focused around building a career in South Africa? Wow, that's a great question. I like that question. And, and I've got a couple of answers. Eric, do you want to jump in or shall I jump in? Yeah, you go for it. I think as a 24-year-old, I'm jealous because I always find myself speaking to these 20-somethings and they understand the world very differently to me. It's almost like they are they sort of like got the iOS for what's coming. And I've almost got the iOS trying to hold on to what I've known so far, you know. So firstly, as 24, congratulations. Jeez, man, so exciting what you've got ahead of you. Two, I don't think it's a question of whether you want to work on your career in South Africa or you want to move overseas. I want you to think of yourself as a global citizen. It doesn't matter where you are. And don't think of yourself in career terms. Think of yourself in impact terms. And in that way, you start to think of yourself as more of an entrepreneur, adding your value to the world rather than having to fit into somebody else's system called a corporate or a degree or an MBA. Those sort of scenarios, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're becoming less and less relevant. We are living in a commoditized world where the sameness of the sameness and the only thing that sets you apart is your price and the amount of hard work you put in. When you become unique in what you do and when you start thinking of yourself as a global citizen, you start to sell that uniqueness and people start to pay you more and more value for something that stands out rather than fits in. So it's not about South Africa or the world because you could be living in the world and be thinking in minute terms or you could be living in South Africa and have a global mindset that's where you're winning because now you're starting to think about how do I create income and how do I create impact globally um, so that that becomes my marketplace that has no borders and only hard currencies really, which makes your life in South Africa a 10 times better or even 15 times better, depends which currency you're earning. So it's a both, it's, it's, the question is wrong. And I'm sorry to say that. I think the question should be is how do I add value to the world where I can think of myself as this global citizen and how do I do that well? And I think that's where the question should really be. The second thing is the, the South African issue is not a South African issue. I think it's a global issue. I think there's many different places around the world for the last few years. We've been seeing things come to the surface and pop. I think Eric and I mentioned this um, a little while back, but this is a pimple that needed to be popped for a very long time. And this underlying Zuma faction in South Africa that has been disgustingly, dis, um, you know, just corrupt needed to come out. And obviously this is the last stand for them to loot and to carry on behaving like the Muppets that they are. So really that's, for me, it was just, it was fantastic that it happened. I'm very sorry for the loss that has happened. And I mean that genuinely, but really at the end of the day, in the big picture, we have a criminal in jail like Zuma. We have a lot of these cronies fighting for their last breath, but everything's coming to the surface and more and more will start coming. So I think it's wonderful that South Africa has a leader like Cyril that's just clean and focused. And some people might say slow or weak, but I think all long-term strategists seem slow and weak from the outside. But internally, there's thousands of little relationships that he's managing 
and he's very sensitive to. And I think in the long term, South Africa has never been in a better place. Mm. I think those are all great answers. I'm just going to add something very small to that. I was also going to go to the fact that like, it's not about SA anymore. Like you are now a global citizen. But what I would add to that is that your environment is really important in the way that it can either nurture you or destroy you. And we mm, see that all the time. Good point. So, mm. and what actually sparked this for me is yesterday. So I'm moving to Cape Town and we obviously trying to find a place to stay. And when I was speaking to John yesterday, we were talking about like the different suburbs in Cape Town and the different don't areas. Say, don't say and, the like, suburbs names. Don't say in case I, I won't say anything. I won't say anything. So, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we were speaking about how some of them are uh, old Not and status, they're the status quo. Yeah. And like that's exactly yeah. what the people they want. And some of them are more inspiring and they're modern and they, you know, and so like your environment is really important for how it inspires you and how it nurtures you, how it keeps you resilient. So even in SA, if you want to stay there, make sure that you stay in a place that you feel inspired by. So that would be the one thing that they won't say. The second thing is that I agree with you that as a young person, you have a massive advantage today. And that is the advantage Jeez, is that you are time. just like, you are way more adaptable than pretty much anyone else. Um, and research yeah. has shown that like, as you get older, you become more stuck in your ways. You become less the younger you are, yeah. the more adaptable you are. And yeah. you live in a world where like, knowledge and learning new skills has been democratized you can go on to, I, I was watching this thing the other day where this like one javelin athlete she couldn't like find a good coach in her country the country that she's in she learned everything every skill that she had um and i think she went to the olympics she learned that through youtube youtube you know no way. i mean this year wow. like if i if i look at my life this year wow. everything i've learned around cameras and editing and everything where do i learn that youtube, YouTube. i've paid yeah. no one to help me with that so yeah. you you have every opportunity to upskill yeah. to learn yeah. new ways of thinking to tap into mm. all of these mm. incredible minds through podcasts and interviews for and like free all for free all for so, free for so free. you have yeah. the most incredible opportunity in front of you irrespective mm. of where you live and Ultimately, I hope that you outgrow your environment time and time again and over and over until, yes. like, you know, the world is your oyster, man. Yeah, so, what an what a, what a awesome thing. Eh? Youth is wasted on the young. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you don't understand that when you're young. But I, I think you've said something very valid there is that your environment can do both, you know, crush you and inspire you. But, you know, for me, when you've got a global citizen mindset, that environment finds you. It finds you. Mm. You don't. Even, you know. There's no way you could go live in Nelspruit if you have a global mindset, because you you'll naturally be drawn to more dynamic places. And look, I think Nelspruit is dynamic in many ways. But for you and me, for example, Eric, you know, it's not dynamic. Yeah. And maybe for a farmer, it's very dynamic. You know, I'm not even joking. Maybe for a farmer, there's international trade there, and there's many things happening. But in my Good world, point. it's not mm -hmm. dynamic enough. Mm. So, you know, those environments you find, you know, they naturally become your environments because of that perspective that you've held. But anyway, mm. we've gone Excellent. way over time. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us today on the Expansive Podcast. I'm going to let Eric read us out. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Uh, if you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend or with your team. Uh, if you enjoyed it even more than that, then head over to the iTunes store and leave us a review. A quick reminder here that there are two ways in which you can enrich your expansive experience. The first is to book either John or myself to speak at your event. We also do combined learning experiences for teams. 
The second is to join us on WhatsApp. Uh, this way you become a part of the expansive community. Send a message to 27646411701. And we would love to hear from you. Please send us a voice note and we will answer your question right here on the show. So from us, have a good week. Thank you so much and chat to you next week. <laughs>